0: Welcome to Season 2 of the Testimony Service Podcast, brought to you by Engage. Engage is a brand I started at the end of last year to serve as a reminder for us to engage with God, to actually cultivate a personal relationship with Him, and then to engage others to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. And one of the ways we engage others is through our testimonies. So here is Episode 215, Burning Grace.
1: Hey, my name is Matt Delp. I am currently living in Houston, Texas. I work at a church here. I'm the minister of recovery. So we offer a 12-step recovery program here. My background is I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, for about nine years, and then I moved out to Shelbyville. My dad grew up in the Church of Christ, and my mom grew up Catholic, And so it was an interesting dynamic between those two different families. But we always grew up in the church. I remember, like from my parents said, like, I was born on a Monday. I was in the church on Sunday kind of thing. So and growing up, we were always in the church. Wednesday nights, Sunday, Sunday nights, it was always there. My dad was a deacon. My mom ran BBS. So church was very much a big part of my, my life. Grew up with kind of a very legalistic, fundamentalist kind of background, learned a lot of the do nots, not much of the what you can do. I knew from a very young age that God loved me. And through extenuating circumstances with my family, I knew that God loved me, but I didn't think he really liked me. There was a very good picture of God being the savior, but not a good picture of God being the Father. We moved out to Shelbyville when I was in fourth grade and I was the type of kid that loved being around people, wanted to have friends, but I had a shy side of me too. And I'm not athletic, didn't have that going for me. Went into Cub Scouts and went into Boy Scouts and then right around my summer of my sixth grade year for my first Boy Scout trip and I was sexually abused by three guys. And that was part of trying to understand who God is. That was uh, very detrimental to that. For years after that, I did everything I could to make sure that nobody knew that that happened to me. I kept a, a good face. I learned what it was like to put on a good face when you go to church and act like that good Christian kid. And then when I was in school, I acted like all the rest of my other friends and Abuse really warped my sense of who I was. And even more so when I believed that God loved me, but he didn't like me, it warped it even more. And so growing up, that was a big portion of it until I couldn't handle it anymore. And then I got in high school. And when I got in high school, I just went through this huge depression. I was very much the type where, if you know anything about Robin Williams, and the struggles that he had, you know, he looked like he was the coolest guy, you know, he's genie, you know, Ms. Doubtfire, all these movies. He looked like he was really, really happy, but a lot of turmoil on the inside. And that was pretty much me. It all came to a head between my sophomore and junior year that summer. Still have that faith, still know that Jesus died for me and saved me. But that summer, I got to the lowest point where I started contemplating, having suicide ideation, started contemplating suicide and... Uh, there was this moment where I was pretty sure that it was going to happen. And God really flipped a switch with that. And the youth group that I was a part of, there was someone in that youth group. Her name was Katie that uh, just called me out of the blue. Hey, I'm having friends come over from the church. We're we're all getting together. We want you to come, come on over. And there was enough hope to give me hope for tomorrow. And That was the beginning moment of God really changing my heart and letting me know that I don't have to search after all these relationships with everybody else to make myself feel happy and make myself feel valued and loved and respected. Really, that comes from God and God's going to do the work in me. He also showed me that he does the work through using other people, too. So I talked about it with a youth pastor. Um, still nobody knew my story about being abused. Just talked about the depression that I was going through. And he walked with me. He actually even i went off to college to go work as a student pastor. And he invited me back to intern at my home church under him. And one of my biggest spiritual giants is Dallas Willard. He is the one that introduced me to Dallas Willard and through a lot of understanding what Dallas talks about as far as the cross and the gospel and grace and and God really revealed who he was. So I came back and I in, and interned there and went to school. And my last couple years of going to school, I met my wife who is from Houston. I knew she was special. I knew that 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 was it. I'm, I'm done. I knew that if I wanted to have this relationship with her, she needed to know everything that has kind of been in my life, my baggage and everything. And so I, I shared with her about the abuse that I got. And first thing she did was she wept with me. She cried and she said, I am so sorry that that happened to you. And I was scared before I told her that she was going to abandon me. Like, I felt like I was still damaged goods quite a bit. And, you know, I took a chance of her basically proving that that's true. And God showed me grace through her, for her just kind of leaning in and pressing in on that. Long story short, really God really started to heal those pieces in my heart through when I got down here. The second time I ever really confessed it was in Sunday morning class. I don't know what, what we call them nowadays, but... I said it in front of a group. My, my pastor was talking about freedom and freedom from the chains of sin and addiction and guilt and shame. He talked about releasing those. And I just shared it in class. And the whole class, came, I mean, the, the group came around me. That was before Me Too was a popular phrase. But I heard him say that. And then listening to like Terry Cruz come forward and all these other people, I just started seeing evidence of God's grace through this. And then I told my parents about three years ago what happened. And when I told them, uh, I couldn't even get the words out. Tears started coming down my eyes. They wrapped their arms around me and, and they hugged me and loved on me and told me that, uh, that they're so sorry that it happened. And the reason why I keep on saying I'm sharing that that aspect of it is just because when I said that God loved me, but he didn't like me, it was because I didn't feel like I was likable. And each time that I was able to share that with someone, when God showed up with Katie in the moment of my depression, God showed me that it not only loved me, but he liked me. And when I shared that with my wife about being abused, God showed up that he not only loved me, but he liked me. And the same thing for that community group I was in and, and my parents. And I got a beautiful picture of God's grace. And now when I look at the cross, the cross is not just something that Jesus died for the sins that I commit. You know, he died for the sins that has been committed against me. and part of being in recovery is not only dealing with the things that have been done to you, but the things that you've done. And there's a lot of messed up things that I've done throughout the years because of that, that situation. But there's so much more grace that has covered me. Uh, One of the things that Dallas Willard says is that grace is to saints like jet fuel is for a 747 on takeoff we burn grace that much understanding that what he was saying was, is that when we're in this relationship, we understand that we don't need just grace for the superficial stuff. I need travel mercies. I need grace for just that sin. No, I need grace every day because I understand that I mess up every day. I need grace in the moments where I, my mind starts to take me back and I start to feel the guilt and the shame all those things that I felt for so many years about the abuse, about myself, I get grace in those moments. And that grace is what carries me. Dallas Willard also says this grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. When I heard that quote for a long time, I was always trying to measure up and get people to like me and trying to earn their love and try to earn their you know, their friendship and in ways, I was trying to do that with God, but I slowly started to understand that I received the grace first. And out of that grace, I get to walk in the newness of life. A lot of times we want to chalk up John three sixteen, 16, God's love the world. And we try to give them that understanding of love, what love is. That never did anything really for me. Like, I understand that God loves me. His son died on the cross for my sins. You know, that's, I understand that. I want to know, does that God really actually care about me? And I think that it was through God uses people in our lives to show us that he actually cares about us.
0: Did you ever have thoughts like why God would allow this abuse to happen to you?
1: Yeah, I I used to have those thoughts quite a bit. Part of my thought process was, if I put on this front, I never have to deal with it. And if I never have to deal with it, I never have to experience that depression, those emotions again. When in high school, that is when I was really in the midst of, and God, why did did you let this happen to me? What I learned from it is, is I was asking the wrong question. The question for me wasn't, it shouldn't have been, why did you let this happen to me? Or where were you? Because I understand that God was right there in the midst of it. Because if we think about um, Jesus and Jesus's suffering on the cross, we we learn in the book of Romans that everything's placed on Jesus, right? At that moment, all sin is placed. There's that great exchange um, verse, he who knew no sin became sin upon our behalf so that we have the righteousness of God. So if that's true, the sin that was committed against me was placed on Jesus' shoulders. And if we believe that God is omnipresent, omnipowerful, all these things, he could be anywhere he wants and do whatever he wants. I had to believe. I believe now that God was there holding me as I was going through those things some people would probably say that, yeah, Matt, that's, that's nice. That's, that's a good thought for you to have, but that doesn't help. But that is what I think I have come to grips with is, is that it doesn't feel good and doesn't help a lot of things, but he was still there in the mist. And if we also believe that our body is a temple, we have to understand that other people were abusing God's temple. Mm. So.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's deep. Yeah. And, that's tough. And then you talked a little bit about like feeling guilt and shame about it. So as that kind of creeps in, maybe from time to time, how are you able to overcome like those feelings of, you know, what happened and the guilt and the shame that you kind of, that kind of accompanies that?
1: Yeah. Um, so kind of like what my job is, we run a recovery ministry. So like we use the 12 steps and it's a discipleship ministry. And one of those things is talking about forgiveness, right? James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. What I think a lot of people don't understand about confession, and I didn't until more recent, was is that we think the confession is really what saves us, right? If we confess our sins to one another, and I think it's in Romans 10 when it talks about confession so that you may be saved. Well, the confession isn't what saves us. In James 5.16, the confession and talking about it somehow brings healing. And there are moments where I feel incredible guilt and shame and insecurities. But when I am around brothers who are of the same faith, we have groups where we talk and we hash this out. I share with my story with them. I say, man, I'm just having a really rough week. I'm not doing well. But the moment that I start to say that, or is the moment that I start to find healing because they can tell me God's word, they can speak where I'm not guilty of that shame anymore, or that sin that happened to me. I don't need to have that shame placed back on me. That those are lies that Satan wants to play. And I think that too many times when we don't confess, we let Satan have his own playground, and those lies just start to fester and start to eat at us even more when we have a safe place to talk about those things we don't even give them breeding ground
0: yeah yeah that's that's really good um it kind of seems like when you know traumatizing things happen or when we have all this guilt or shame we just kind of want to like seclude ourselves Mm -hmm. how do you overcome that temptation to just seclude and go be by yourself
1: first of all you got to find someone you trust (laughs) don't don't just confess to confess i think that's (laughs) Uh, I think that's really dangerous because another thing that people can experience inside the church is spiritual abuse and people can take that and run with it. So you got to be careful. I think people that have been abused are guarded for a good reason, but I, I would probably go and say the best probably place to start would be a counselor somewhere, some way. Don't do what I did. I waited over 20 years to really start talking about it and... I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in recovery for a long time. I'm starting to find that out. And I can say that with a smile on my face because I have healing from it, from that aspect. I don't have necessarily all the healing from the other stuff that's probably happened. So find someone that's safe to talk to. That was what it was with my wife, Sarah. I would go to honestly a regeneration recovery program that's around or go to a celebrate recovery. Those are places where you can feel genuinely loved and the rules that they have established there are established for safety.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Great, great practical advice. Um, So one of the things that also stood out to me was when you were talking about how, like you knew God loved you. He like, you know, sent his son, like he loves you, you know, all of that. But you didn't see how God liked you So can you just talk a little bit more about kind of understanding that both are true (laughs) and how you were able to stop so much trying to like earn the love of God or the like and the care of God to where you realize that you didn't have to earn or didn't have to strive so much for it?
1: Yeah, for me, a lot of it came down to I got tired. We have to understand that the only person that could ever reach perfection was Jesus. So even when we think of people like Mother Teresa, who will measure way up there, she recognized her own inner imperfections. And I think that the beginning stages for us is to understand that we're never going to measure up to whatever imaginary standard that we think that we need, to, we, we need to measure up to. That's a lie. And when it comes to, I think God loved me, but he didn't like me. I think when we look at Scripture and really read, one of my favorite places is Hebrews, and it talks about how Jesus is greater than Moses, Jesus is greater than Melchizedek, talks about the Sabbath, and talks about who Jesus is. And then it talks about Jesus can relate to our suffering. And so think about it like this. Jesus stepped out of heaven into the form of a baby to grow up so that and and this was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus that all these things were going to take place so he knew that they're going to take place he was there at the foundation of the world we understand that and he still chose to step down and he walked among us and he he suffered And he was tempted in every way that man was, you know, suffered and tempted. And then he was beaten, bloodied, carried across, hung on that cross for you and me. A lot of times we talk that up to just love. I wouldn't do that for some people that I just love. There's some family members I just love. There's some people that I'm not even related to that I would go to battle And I would bleed for. Those are the people that I love and I like, that I want around me. And it was that thought that I had to understand about the cross. Is that it was not just a simple, I'm going to pay for your sins. It was, I'm doing all this because I love you and I care for you. And so our church has a huge cross in the sanctuary. And it is a reminder to me every time I look at it that I can understand that the pain that I've experienced is a blip of the pain that Jesus had to endure. Not only, not only when he was beaten, not only when he was just hanging, but he had all that sin that was absorbed into that perfect body, all the wrath of God that was poured into that perfect body. And then he died and rose again. I mean, it's fine to just say he died, but he actually rose again, and he's waiting for us. And I think of that, and I can't think of anything but a God who loves us and likes us. I mean, because if we look at Jesus, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is God incarnate. He's in God's character incarnate. I mean, he's everything there. So if we have that understanding, we can look towards a future of the present and the future of God, not only liking us, but wanting that relationship and wanting to be with us for eternity.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the testimony service podcast. If you'd like to share your testimony on an upcoming episode, visit www.martinanicole.com podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It'll help get these testimonies to more ears. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. We'll be back next Wednesday. So here's a sneak peek for you. So I was um, pretty much comfortable with what he was doing so much that I wasn't even fighting back anymore. I didn't even have the strength to fight because I wasn't educated well enough to even know that I was being abused, I was being taken advantage of.